0: To another episode of Football Asides, I'm your host Glo, and joining me today is a dear friend of mine, Og. Og, welcome to the pod.
1: Hello, Glow. Glad to be glad to be here.
0: Uh, thank you for joining me. I greatly appreciate your company and insight. Virtually, obviously. Uh,
1: yeah. How are
0: you? Where are you right now?
1: Um, I'm currently in New York, um, in my apartment, trying to survive this heat wave without an air conditioner.
0: Oh, oh, that is oh, uh, I am so yeah. I'm so sorry. It felt like 110 degrees today, which I just think should be illegal as a temperature. But you know, that's just my two cents.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, 110. I mean, Fahrenheit. Like for those who don't follow, it's in Fahrenheit, not in Celsius.
0: But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that was in Celsius? i <laughs> just like. I mean,
1: could we could we live if it was in Celsius? I don't think so. I feel
0: like that's like you. Dead, right? Okay. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm not trying I'm I will not try and do the month math of converting Fahrenheit to Celsius. Those days are behind me. <laughs> this is why we have Google <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, um, I know.
1: So Yeah.
0: But New- yeah anything how's the faceful reopening in the city?
1: Um New York is a changed city. Coming back to New York it's a changed city. Um like, I left right as the pandemic was beginning. I went home to be with my parents. Um, and I've been there for three months. And then I came back, and it's like the restaurants are all on the street. Um, and every, like, most people have masks on. And now it's like everyone is just walking around people in New York. So it's just a changed city. The subway is virtually like, empty like all day like i went there what would normally be a rush hour and like i could get a seat and there was no one around me so it's just chain city
0: oh my god i saw this very funny you like Instagram video that was making the rounds about this like it was this man on the subway, I think New York, and he was like this guy walks in without a mask and then he like basically does a full split on the chair, so no one can sit <laughs> next to him and I was like one, that's the level of kosher I endorse, and it's also the level of pettiness I stand for, <laughs> so it was the delightful yeah.
1: yeah no i I think like i mean i I was in Indiana with my parents like coming here, I think the mask wearing is definitely higher um like more people are definitely are wearing their masks and they are more serious and i guess because like new york was definitely one of the hardest harder hit states um at the beginning so it makes total sense
0: yeah i think that makes so so much sense and i'm glad that it's they're taking it seriously i've I've obviously you and a number of other friends in the city and they feel safe and like that it's being handled which is good because it doesn't always feel like that in some spaces but Yeah. yeah but to the football so today Og and I are discussing some greatest relegation escapes. We figure it's the end of the season. We want to talk about like what are some, what have been some really good moments where we've seen like a team like escape relegation, truly in short of miraculous uh, circumstances. But before we get to that, we did want to touch on what relegation is happening across uh, top five leagues at the moment as those will be our primary focus for the relegation escapes. Uh, Oji, what's happening in the Prem?
1: Um, the Prem, relegation-wise, um, Norwich is officially relegated. Um, they've had an interesting city um, season, beating City twice, I believe.
0: They started uh, out so well, right?
1: They did. They did. And it kind of fell apart. So Remember maybe when they we can... were talking
0: about Timu Pukki potentially winning the golden boot, and then it just did not go.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like Todd Cantwell has been a great player. So it's like maybe they can go back to the championship and rebuild the team. And I mean, their time in the Prem has helped them get some financial stability. So that's definitely a plus, I guess. And maybe with this, they can go to this championship, rebuild, and come back to the Prem and stronger. stronger. Yeah.
0: I've been told that Norwich is like the best team to be relegated in a minute. I mean, I'm not sure if I like fully buy into the perspective. However, I think to what to your point, they didn't really buy any big like money acquisitions. They usually set teams back uh when they go back into the championship financially. And the problem I've seen with their play is they can play good for really good play very well for uh, some spells in the game, they just can't play full games that well. And yeah. obviously to stay up, you need to win games, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and yeah, they, yeah, it's not been the easiest season for them, so.
0: Yeah, I really will miss Daniel Farke, though. He just seemed like a lovely <laughs> person, and <laughs> just like, yeah, I love watching his interviews, generally. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. on that note, though, in the Prem as well, it is important. Like, Bournemouth and Villa, at time of recording, are both at 31 points, uh, and but that's only three points away from safety. So with two more match days left, it's actually all to play for. So we, I can't for sure call. Do you have any hint on who might get relegated? Honestly, I,
1: like, I mean I think I think Aston Villa and Bournemouth probably like going on chances will probably get relegated. Um like it's just like Aston Villa has Arsenal and West Ham so they could potentially get like points at any of those games like the Premier League as a season has been weird and I mean I I've loved like I've loved watching Jack Grealish captain his boyhood club through the season, and I mean, I hope he's able to keep them up. Um, I'm not sure how long, how much longer he will be at the club, but it definitely would be a nice parting pre- like gift to be like I like he was able to help keep them up and stay in the prem. Um, Burnmouth, I don't know. It's I mean, I don't know how like I don't know how they go through. They have only one more game against Everton, um, and so. It could end up, like, I don't think... I think their chances are slightly bleaker than Aston Villa, who still have two more games to play.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think Bournemouth I, might be a goner for me. But on the Villa, I think Villa might be able to pull it out. And actually, my contender might be West Ham to take the unfortunate drop. I think... Okay, here's why I think this, right? I think, like, United definitely for sure need (laughs) to win the next game so there's like great motivation on that front so that's like what I'm thinking and then if you have them if say they lose that game or even if they do draw and Villa gets some points at or like they win at Arsenal they do West Ham play Villa on the final day so I think that could like really set up a cracker for the last day the final match day
1: But like you, you also have to think of Watford, right? Watford is going up against City and then Arsenal as their next two matches. Um, Man City, of Man City, and I mean Man City just lost to Arsenal, so I have a feeling they're probably going to come back and want a statement victory. So Mm -hmm. I don't see them really make like Watford making much progress, but. I mean, Watford were the first to beat the current champions, Liverpool, this season. So you you never know what happens in football. And then Arsenal on the last day. And Arsenal right now is fighting for, like, European soccer. I mean, they they, they have two options to have in use right now. They could try and get it through the Premier League by winning the FA Cup. So, I mean, you could see them, like, really going at it. So I'm not sure Watford really has a good path out of it. Like in terms of like their upcoming fixtures, but yeah, I mean, th- I, th- I think the relegation battle for this, this will definitely go back, go down to the last day. Yeah. Um, like, and, I mean, the same thing, like there's some interesting things also happening at the top end of the Premier League too. So. Oh
0: God. Yeah, that's that's actually super <laughs> exciting. That will definitely go back to the final day. I just yeah. I mean Chelsea is sitting at third right now, but I'm not sure if it's going to end up like that. And I know it looks like very much for like the four European uh spaces, which are no longer going to be five because Kaz has obviously reversed the ruling by UEFA, so City will definitely be in the Champions League. So that leaves two more spaces. Yep. And I think it's really going to go down to the Leicester United game on the final day.
1: Yeah. And I, I, as a United fan, um, I wish that's just going to keep like, just give you like a heart attack on that last day as, because like, it's just going to be, wow, can we just beat Leicester? It's going to be, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the game, but it's going to be one of those like anxious games where it's like, you're on the edge of your like, because any mistake could end your Champions League hopes.
0: Well, for I mean, those who are not a team that is not anxious, is Real Madrid, <laughs> so, because Real Madrid has won the se- the title on the second to last match day. And Zidane's man, I mean, he did say he wanted to focus on La Liga and he has delivered. How have you made, um, what have you made of the Los Blancos finish?
1: I mean, it's been, I mean, like, I felt like it's just been, it's not necessarily like a grind in a sense. Like, I mean, they haven't been winning by massive margin, but they've been able to get the wins when it counts. Like, I think coming out into the, post lockdown games like Barcelona was ahead, but Barcelona haven't been able to get those wins when it really counts and that's been that's been key. And I mean Sergio Ramos like becoming like like the penalty meister for Real, for Real Madrid. So he's
0: gotten like twenty plus in a row. Something like ridiculous, like twenty two, twenty three in a row hasn't missed. Um so yeah, he's come on to his own.
1: Yeah, so I mean all, all Like, hats off to Real Madrid for clinching the title. I mean, now they have the abilities to focus on possibly coming back in the Champions League against yeah. City.
0: What does it mean for Barcelona, do you think, and Kike Setien? Like, the team overall, uh, potentially Kike Setien's future at the club?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like... I mean, I love the storylines coming out of this... Um, Of the season for barcelona have been about how the club has been in like quote unquote a free fall um like i mean coming in second in the closely fought title race i'm not sure how much of a free fall is but i feel a lot of people are looking to the point that messi's aging the squad is aging um and they don't seem to have a plan going forward so i mean it's almost inconceivable for us to think that Messi could retire. Like I grew up watching the, watching him and it's just been marvelous. But Barcelona needs to think of going forward and I I, I don't think Kike Hernandez is going to stay as the manager of the club. I thought they were thinking of bringing in one of their um was it Xavi as their manager. Mhm. So,
0: yeah, I think I agree and So so I was talking to a Barcelona fan yesterday and he very much uh, expressed like similar sentiment. Like obviously he has like closer ties to the club, but to him as well. It seems that the, again, it's kind of crazy to say that in one sentence that, perhaps like mrs brilliance has like hindered the opportunities to for long-term planning because he's just so good that he has been able to pepper over so many cracks and that's just not on the field as well it's like structurally the number of like um presidents they're going through doesn't like seem that there's a vision i do worry a little bit about like bringing in xavi because i think the really good point that was made was that Griezmann was actually not a bad addition to the team, but Barcelona, like, is all about, like, the Barcelona DNA, which I think at times can make them reluctant to, like, embrace people who've come outside of that system, even though that, like, even though that can always, like, add great value. Yeah.
1: and I mean, that's true, and but I think it's a trend in, like, big clubs bringing in, like, ex-players to help manage the team. Like, because an ex-player of a sense stature has automatic goodwill with the fans. Like, think Frank Lampard at Chelsea or Ole at Manu. Isn't Pep, like, an ex-Barcelona player?
0: Yeah, he was. Yeah, actually, yeah, Pep is indeed an ex-Barcelona player.
1: So, like, player, like, I feel like having a player of, like, of, le- like, legend status, status which Xavi, Xavi is, like, helps, like it, it, it buy, like, it allows you, I feel, to do a more long-term plan because it's going to, it gives, I feel like the fans are willing to be more lenient with such a person who with, than with an outside manager. So, like, it might just buy them enough time to, like, rebuild their squad.
0: I see. I definitely see that. I think what generally like worries me is like when it we narrow like or when clubs narrow themselves into like picking former members who could like obviously like pan out to be like really good and like speaking to the success that Lampard is having at Chelsea, for instance, that is like a very good case. But I worry that that means that you never like clubs don't always let themselves like explore and like recruit new and exciting coaching talent so i don't know i i just it doesn't really expand the football bubble that exists already but that's more of like a structural thing as well yeah. but yeah from the speaking like moving from the top of the league to the bottom Obviously, um Celta survived, barely. Leganes, Mallorca and Espanol are officially relegated, so they'll be moving on to the second tier. So I mean stuff, but I don't think anyone was particularly surprised to the best of my knowledge.
1: Yeah. And I mean the season like I mean the season has been a weird season and I mean it's always sad to see a team go down it's never an easy it's never especially if you're a diehard fan fan of the team like just watch them go down i'm sure isn't the easiest yeah. thing
0: yeah so the other league i mean i don't think we're even going to mention liga because that's been done for <laughs> a while but a league that's still ongoing is Syria, and it looks like uh Uve uh well whilst they might not have mathematically clinched the title at the time of recording it looks like they're very well on their way to winning another title uh this time under Maurizio Sari. do you think there have been like rumblings about like is Sari really going to be like Like is he the right coach for a team like Juve, whose like primary priority is like winning at all costs, and we know like sorry to be very much like he wants to play a certain way. Do we think him winning this title will secure his job for another year?
1: Um, I mean, I think it. I mean, I think it will, right? In the sense that, like, I mean, like if he can progress in Champions League, definitely helps secure his job, but. I think, I mean, for a Juventus fan, the bare minimum is to win the title, the Serie A title. Like, they've won it for, is it like seven or eight years running? It's an absurd dominance. And so, I mean, it's not the easiest win they've had. But, I mean, a win is a championship is still a championship. So, I think it secures his job for a bit. But, I mean, they have to build on and they have a couple more years of risk. With Ronaldo and probably try and win the Champions League, which I you think a couple
0: to- like how yeah, many I mean, is a couple like you know two three? Mm, yeah, I guess that's technically a couple. I got into this whole thing where I was asking when if I asked you for a couple of ideas, how many ideas would you give me with uh, some of my roommates? <laughs> so it was a whole thing. So I was like, I had to verify, and I think a couple should be like minimum two
1: to three, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's honestly, like, for me, it's just like, as we we're just talking, I'm like, it's crazy to just think that some of the legends are retiring, like Ronaldo and Messi, like, they could be gone in two or two to three years.
0: Yeah, it is, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, it will be a very sad day, obviously, although I do firmly believe Ronaldo will have to be wheeled off the field.
1: Like, he is not going to live out of
0: his own volition. <laughs> so, it's yeah.
1: that. I mean, thing is, like, a player of his caliber and his fame can always, like, go and make tons of money. Like, he might lose, the like, the the like ability or the strength to play at maybe the top, top, top tier, but he can always go to, like, maybe like an American or maybe the Chinese league and make a ton of money there. And I mean, if he wants to keep playing, but it would be sad to just see him no longer at the top of his game. And one thing I was looking forward to in the spring before the whole COVID hit was to go and see a couple of these, a couple of the games live. Um, hopefully I get to see them live before the, like before they retire.
0: Yeah, well, I hope that's who it is as well. But at the bottom of Serie A, we know Spal, uh, Brescia, Lecce pretty much done for. Although Spal might have uh fighting chance. Uh, it's one of those things if like eight different things go right, they might still be good, uh, but it's not looking too good for them. And obviously another league that's closed out is a Bundesliga where um Paderborn and Dusseldorf officially relegated and Bremen... um survived this uh the relegation playoff and obviously i do pay attention to further bremen particularly from like a usmnt point of interest with them having joe uh Josh Sargent who's been making his like uh debut and uh, more appearances this season but yeah um I don't know, the bottom of the leagues, there's nothing too surprising, I would say. I would say the most interesting relegation battles happening in the Prem, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Prem is going to, it seems like it's going to go down to the live wire and, I mean, could make for a great story, like, Aston Villa could have a great escape or Burnmouth could have a great escape, you know, like, Burns suddenly goes on a two match winning streak against City and Arsenal, and suddenly it's a different story, a different ending to their season. So.
0: All right, and we'll be back with some of those great examples from history, some great relegation escapes in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to Football Sides. uh OG is joining me to talk about some great relegation escapes and o g what do you have for me? what's the first relegation story you have for me
1: so um i mean this is i mean i guess it's one of the classic relegation escapes um i mean it involves manu i mean the club i really i hold dear i mean manu. Wasn't the one being relegated. It was West. It was the it was the West Ham United like 0607 season, and the end to their crazy season. Um, like coming up, like the previous season, they had qualified for the for like the UEFA Cup, which was like the Europa League. Um, they had finished eighth in the league, which is a solid state place to be, and then they began the season by. Signing some names that we might know, like Javier Mascherano and Carlos Tevez. Um, the interesting thing is, the they, they asked, their signings were actually investigated for impropriety, uh, and so it became a whole thing because would the would the would they be deducted points for like doing improper signings? And I mean, if they like, and luckily for them, they just got a 5.5 million pound fine and they avoided a point relegation deduction, which really like helped them. Um, They got new owners mid-season and they replaced the coach. I feel like a lot of those relegation battles are like, we replace the coach and then suddenly we do better. And then the crazy thing is they were in the relegation zone from like game week 16 through game week 36. Uh, They were welded to the bottom and then they had a great escape in the, in, the, in their last nine games. They they won seven of them, including wins over Arsenal and Man United, who they beat on the last day. Man United had already been crowned champions, and in that nine-game streak, they only dropped points to Ch- Chelsea and Sheffield United, who were relegated that season.
0: Wow, that that was like wild. It's crazy like that that season i mean like it's kind, kind of crazy when you think about like the people who were like how the league has changed since then like like demeter babatov was at spurs like isn't that crazy and drogba was still like yeah. chelsea and ronaldo yep. was at united it was it's kind of insane when you think about uh how much the league has yeah. changed over from the time of the hammers escape from allegation so what made it what made this like cla- uh, particularly appealing or interesting to you?
1: I mean, for me, it's just the fact that like part of like the part of the like, apart from just the regular like football, like oh, are they playing well on the field? It's they had a whole legal battle that could impact them, right? Like even after the whole season was over, um, like Sheffield sued them because they felt like sued them and threatened to take them to like the equivalent of like to, to to higher courts then to try and get those points deducted. Um, And I mean, they said this like when I was reading and doing my research, they settled out of court for an undisclosed sum, which I mean, I don't think it would be a small sum, but it's just an interesting idea is like, like relegation battles are sometimes not only about the football on the pitch. It's about like, having a good legal department
0: <laughs> that is true <laughs> i mean the city wasn't exactly fighting relegation but they were fight fighting exclusion from the champions league and i guess good lawyers do pay good <laughs> yeah yes. yeah get the best yeah wow that's fascinating um it's good. yeah i love i do enjoy a good uh relegation escape story so the first story that I have for you is uh, pretty recent, actually. It's the sixteen seventeen season, and it's from Serie A, and it's Crotone. I Okay. Yeah, so... Tell me what happened. Yeah, so to set the scene, uh, right, like, Max, Max Allegri's Juve have just, like, won the title with, like, 91 points. Like, they're four points ahead of the second-place Roma. Maurizio Sarri is still at Napoli, you know, like all the good characters, like, buffing about in Syria. And, like, you have, like, you even have, like, Eden Dzeko, like, with 29 goals. And wow. the funny part is that is five more, five less goals than the entire Kratonis team scored that entire season. <laughs> so, <laughs> just... anyways. Wow. Yeah. So you have that, right? But, like, so this is Crotone's like, fast top flight season. And it was just, like, off to, like, a miserable start, basically. Like, in the 10 games, they were not up to, like, the 10 games, they were just miserable. The first 10 games were just so bad. And then they were bottom of the league with just two points, and they had no home. Be- Wait, two points? Yeah, for the first 10 games. So to just two draws wow. straight up and like they I mean they couldn't even play at their stadium because it wasn't out to scratch so they didn't even have a home stadium so it was like well, great so the the funniest well not the funniest thing really but like the, an interesting part is like they only spend two to spend two weeks outside of the relegation zone and that was the first like the first week and the last week <laughs> that's like the number <laughs> yeah so it's like crazy right so they'd only, before April of the season, they'd only won like three matches and they were like, everybody was like, okay, they're gone. You know what I mean? But yeah. they had like a really, really incredible end of the season run. And it took, they saw like, it took points from like so many people, like, so many teams, including like the two Milan teams. And, and like, it was just,
1: yeah. So that's that actually is like crazy. Like two points after ten games. Like
0: can you imagine that? I like, just like telling your is like, yeah, actually, you know, there was potential thirty points here, <laughs> we've only gotten two. <laughs> we'll be back. Like we'll get back to you on that.
1: Like I mean, did they change managers? Did they do anything? Like what like, like I mean you're halfway through the season and you only have two points. I feel like things have to change.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah. It's like, um, so in this relegation escape, right, like, the main rivals were Piscara and Palermo. Palermo, sorry, yeah. not Palermo. Um, right? They were, like, basically deemed useless, and they were supposed like, to be going down, and they were, like, 11th points away from, like, 17th place Ampoli. So, then within eight games to go, like, that's when they started this, like, really incredible win, and they began with, like, a 2-1 win over Kievo, and... In the process, and then which made them like five, snap them within five points of safety, and then there was a seven. There was a seven-game run without a win in the process. After this result, like the manager Davide Nicola was declared that if Crotone stayed up, he would cycle from Crotone to Turin, which is like one thousand and (laughs) three hundred kilometers.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah. I mean, did he? Did he do it?
0: We'll get to it so like one week later right they beat milan 2-1 and then they went to the last two game they went into the last two games one point away from safety and then like they so i mean they lost to Juve like 3-0 and then the end of the seven to end like the seven match unbeaten run that they were on and then going into the last day but they still had a chance right so i told you that Empoli were their relegation rivals in this whole shtick so they were playing already relegated Palermo, Empoli, and and Crotone took on Lazio. So they went Whoa. on and beated fifth place Lazio, and they managed to do it by three one. And then Empoli wow. like, on the
1: last day. On the
0: last day, and then Empoli like fell two one, two one on to their uh, Palermo, <laughs> who are already like as I mentioned relegated, and yeah, and they finished seventeenth on thirty four points. And obviously, the coach did keep his promise and he did cycle 1,300 kilometers.
1: Wow. I mean, he got fit. Like, he got really fit. After yeah. It's
0: like, talk about a preseason, you know?
1: <laughs> I mean, what happened to them next season? Did they, were they able to stay up or?
0: I believe they got relegated the next season, but I would like to double check what happened in 18, uh, sorry, 18, 19.
1: Wow, that's actually. What was that? No, 17, 18. Wow. (laughs) Numbers. I'm still like. I'm still like shocked at like the two points after 10 games. Isn't that
0: insane? (laughs) Just like 10 games with two points?
1: Yeah. I mean, at at that point, you just start packing the bus to try and get draws. Yeah. Honestly, you you could just like humbly bow out.
0: But then, I mean, they managed to stay up, which is, like, impressive. Yeah. And I think it's, like, one of the things I love about sports, like, that a team that was that bad at the beginning, with, like, a little bit of luck and uh, just, like, really grinding it out at the end, they were able to s- survive.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I mean, the table is, is always, like, changing. And it's, like, I mean, for, like, we're, we're seeing it happen like Leicester was comfortably in third and now they're fighting for their Champions League slot so yeah it's like life, life can come at you really quickly
0: yeah it's kind of crazy um what else do you what's your what's another really good relegation story you found
1: um so I'm, I mean this is not like traditional relegation story in the sense that like, it came down to the last day but I mean, it's just a great story, in like, in what it sets up for the next year. And this is a Leicester City escape of like the 14-15 season. Um, Leicester like came in like they had some of the names. It, it wasn't quite the team that would go on to win the Premier League in the most shocking like Premier League win, quite yet. But it was a year before it, and you could say like without this escape, like. We wouldn't have seen like N'Golo Conte we wouldn't have seen like like that Leicester City like dream season happen, but I mean some of the highlights of this season is like they were the bottom of the table from game week thirteen through game week thirty one that's crazy so like they were literally at the bottom of the table, and I mean. At that point you're probably saying you have what five more matches, maybe you are right, right off your right off your season and you're like, uh, call it a day. But no they didn't. They went they won seven of their last nine games to climb out of the out of relegation. Um they ended up finishing the season fourteenth. And I mean, that just set them up. Like I mean that team had some of the spine that like makes up the Leicester's team till today. It had Jamie Vardy at Casper Schmeichel. I had um and I mean, for me, what's really fascinating is they stuck with their coach like the entire time. They stuck with Nigel Pearson, mm-hmm. and people are I mean, really upset was... when they
0: brought in Claudio Ranieri like at the end, right? Like the next season.
1: Yeah, I think it was a season after. Was yeah,
0: it? I, I mean, he got them uh, prem title, so. Yeah, you know, yeah. So <laughs> can't complain too much with, over that.
1: You, yeah, yeah, you can't complain, but they are stuck with ni- like, and just looking at various relegation stories, it's like a lot of the times they just keep changing coaches and they stuck with their coach the entire time and they were rewarded. And then they go, they, they go on to do some of the best piece of summer business over the summer. And they build a title winning championship, that title winning team that goes from 14th in the Premier League to literally number one out of nowhere. So I mean it's not traditional and like it came down to the last day, but they were stuck at the bottom of the table for what, is it like eighteen of the eighteen weeks and so but they made it out.
0: Yeah, you really so. like to hear it. And especially like when you know that they the next year brings like one of like probably like the best like win of like the Premier League trophy we've seen like in a while in like probably ever. I would say it's like probably the most famous is just in how unpredictable it was It's so just like it's very yeah. unlikely that we will see another like leicester or like basic a team that's of that caliber and stature and standing in the league lift the prem
1: yeah so that's no pretty. i mean yeah the thing is like i don't never say never i feel like there are a lot of leagues that are just primed for that like team that just comes out of nowhere and does it like i mean now it's harder with all the money in the sport and all the players but i mean you have a good scouting department identifies stars identifies players and i think you can have a good run at the title
0: so what's another what so, is like if you had to like if you were a betting man right what would you what would you say the next Lester would be
1: if i were a betting man um i mean i think sheffield united has put together quite a good season um maybe if they get a couple good signings they could potentially push for that title like i mean keep in mind they just came up from the championship so like from the championship to the premier league title in two years now that's a story but i mean i don't know it's
0: it's hard to call
1: it's hard it's hard to call and that's what makes that's what makes their title all the more like impressive it's like they had like a thousand to one odds and yet they still did it. yeah
0: i would say i'll put like my money in for a wolves kind of team i would say i mean again i think as you mentioned it's like a, the odds are just so poor like it it's kind of laughable to mention it but like you just said I mean Lester did make it happen so if I was to throw in one of those odds to happen like at some point down the line I'll probably throw in the Wolves assuming they continue to be run as they are now I think they're a neat and tidy team and I think they can with like a little bit of like investment around some of the edges I think they could like really take uh, some teams by surprise
1: yeah no definitely and like well, I I feel like there was a tie, like period when it's like Man United played Wolves like every other week. Yeah, they definitely and... became the
0: bogey team <laughs> for United. Just could
1: not yeah. yeah. And for a lot of teams in the Prem and it's just it's just impressive. But like for me I'm starting to c I've started to consider Wolves like part of like the prem like the Premier League ether in the sense that like with a they have a great coach, is and, it because of Nuno's calming that, beard? A, yeah, a good yeah, coach.
0: he definitely has a very solid beard uh beards are very hard to yeah. do for most people that I've seen, and
1: he's he's killing it he's killing it. I mean, will they, I'm not sure if they'll be able to hold on to, like, some of their stars, like, Adama Traore. Tra- I think they
0: can, actually. I mean, one, I think they're helped by the economy. And they're also helped by the fact that, like, these, uh, they will be starters, like, at the Wolves team. And Wolves is actually, like, competing. Like, you know what? Like, they were in the championship literally two seasons ago. And they are now, like, in. they could make a deep run in the Europa League. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a I lot mean, of they, this, this, this.
0: they have a lot of things they can sell to their talent.
1: Yeah, and this I mean, if the the Europa League goes their way, they could be in the Champions League next season. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I do have another story, uh, another relegation story for you. And I was this okay. one will be sort of a throwback because I came across it when I was researching this, and I was like, this is too good. It's just it, it's delightful so this we're taking you back to ninety eight ninety nine bundesliga and it oh, is eintracht wow. eintracht frankfurt jesus english <laughs> i guess technically german <laughs> Um so this is the final day of the season. So you have like five teams uh that are for of fighting to avoid relegation and including Frankfurt who are, like at this point they will be uh facing the Champions League contenders, uh Kaiser Lawton. Uh there, so it's like one of those things where like you really did need like a few miracles to go your way. And it did. So so they had, um, you had when uh, Frankfurt were playing, they took a four-one lead, but they still like were likely to be, they were going to be relegated because of the uh, goal differential. So like even then, like I mean, this is at the point in the Bundesliga where there are no relegation playoffs, and like that was it. Like if you finish in the bottom three, you are getting the drop. No ifs, ands, or buts. There was, like, no fighting chance for you. So, right, you have, like, these... So they'd scored, like, the last three... So of the 4-1, when the game was at 4-1, they had scored three goals in 12 minutes. In 12 minutes. Wow, that's impressive. So one of these other teams that were in this potential contention for... um, relegation was Nuremberg and they had the sc- at that point in the game they'd scored against Freiburg which means which still meant that at the 4-1 regardless of how impressive that was Frankfurt were going to be relegated on goal difference but in like the 89th minute with literally seconds to go uh Jan Agge I do not know how to pronounce this lovely gentleman's last name. So we're gonna go with Yan. Yan uh, scored like to scored a last minute goal, literally seconds to go with to like give them five one. And then, one of okay. the other thing that also helped them, obviously, another team that was in this contention is uh, Rostock won their game 3 2, which confirmed their survival. So, Nuremberg, who had started the match day in 12th place, literally four places away from the relegation zone, were relegated by goal scored. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a tough day at the office. Wow.
1: Yeah, you go from twelfth to being out of the league.
0: I would be so upset. That's, that's, so that's upset. Well.
1: Yeah, like I mean, wow. I mean, that that that's just the whole thing. Like, if you're not mathematically safe, you have to play hard till the till the end.
0: Yeah. So those were my two big stories in terms of uh, relegation escapes. Do you have? Do we have some? I I did have a few more honorable mentions. How about you? Do you have some?
1: yeah um I was just looking more like at teams that just like didn't escape or maybe like got relegated and it was just interesting and I looked at like one team that caught my eyes Newcastle sorry for the premier League focus i that's what i i've watched mainly but Newcastle in oh eight oh nine um they went through like four or five different managers during this season including bringing back they are they are legend. Um, why am I blanking on his name? They Brit- like no, oh yeah. They brought back Alan Scherer. and mm-hmm. they still got relegated. And then the owner put them for sale. Then withdrew the the sale, and now they are back on sale right now with the whole Saudi takeover story going on. So
0: yeah, that's yeah. So. That's brilliant. Newcastle is always like a fascinating story. Like Newcastle and Newcastle fans are some of my favorite people to just engage with. Uh, they're just so connected to the club. And there's also just so much drama and nonsense that generally occurs within the club. that there's yeah. always a good story in this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're not emotionally invested in it, it is entertaining to watch, but it's incredibly difficult for the fans, it seems.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's, like, heart-wrenching. And, I mean, Newcastle has historically been a very, very big club. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Alan Scherer still has a couple records in the Premier League in terms of, like, the goals the guy scored. Um, unfortunately, he was never on a title winning side. But... I mean maybe I think Harry Kane
0: might be able to get that record.
1: Possibly. I mean
0: Yeah, I just hit two hundred, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh wow, yeah. And Harry Kane definitely can get the record. I thought he had two hundred goals for Spurs, not all of them in the Premier League.
0: I know he hit two hundred, but I believe it was in the Prem. But I could be incorrect on that particular specific.
1: Yeah, that's fine. But, no, that would be awesome if Harry Kane can. I mean, I'm looking at, like, I mean, the Premier league, like, has some really young strikers who could potentially do it. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. But, no, that was a story I found interesting. Like, you go through five different managers in a season.
0: Yeah. My last uh, shout-out that I – it would not be – a relegation story if we do not include Sunderland and I was thinking specifically uh 2013-14 Sunderland like you know like Chelsea just won the league uh can you believe Liverpool finished sixth that year and wow yeah and then Sunderland uh like finished 16th that year so that year, also you had like Aguero as who I contend is truly like perhaps like The best premier league striker i've seen in a bit and like uh you had like sanchez and benteke like scoring goals like what that's (laughs) that's when you know we're in a different time when you have a sanchez and benteke on the same (laughs) in the same sentence and scoring goals yeah wow yeah so they basically uh it did not look well. Like I mean, they were at the bottom of the league after 33 games, and they still had to like go to Chelsea and Manchester United, and it looked basically they were dead in the water for all intents and purposes. But they actually went and won uh, 2-1 at Stamford Bridge, and then they ended uh, Jose Mourinho's unbeaten run, which is funny, unbeaten home run, I should say. <laughs> Wow. and yeah which like began their four match winning run that where they also beat uh united one oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they th- beat uh west Brom 2 zero in the penultimate weekend which made them climb to fourteenth uh, i mean they f- lost on the last match day to Swansea but they were like plenty safe then
1: yeah they had secured um safety yeah i mean, I mean- Winning can beget more winning. It's like you win at a big team and suddenly you're more confident and you go win again and keep winning and maybe you get out. So, so that's a good story.
0: Yeah, it's a, story it's a, a lovely story, especially knowing uh, what's uh, happen- what's happened to Sunderland,
1: Sunderland since. Sunderland since then. Sunderland yeah. till I die.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, we'll be right back with Sam sideline the Sides. Welcome back to F- sidelines aside. This is a segment on our show where we discuss a random question that's popped into our minds recently, usually football related, but we make no guarantees. So for today's sidelines aside, uh, OG, I pose to you, European Super League. Yay or nay? What do we think? Where do we land?
1: Uh, nay, I, I think. Nay, nee, but with caveats, right? I think the way the game is going, where a lot of it is focused on the revenue, I think we're trending towards a towards a, a position or place where like the big teams know that when they play each other, those are like the biggest and highest revenue events, especially on TV. So I would not be surprised if in the next couple in the next couple years, you start seeing the big teams start forming leagues or like. Maybe, maybe it will be more friendly than that eventually becomes a type of league. But, I mean, I, I don't particularly support it because, I mean, you form a, Europe, a European Super League and you get to miss out on teams like Leicester City, who, like we are talking earlier, like came back and had a magical Champions League, Champion, um, Premier League run. And, I mean, traditionally, they wouldn't be in a, in a European Super League, right? So I think those are like I think for the Cinderella for the Cinderella Cinderella stories in the in the in the various leagues. I don't think a European Super League really helps the game go forward. How I'm, about you? What are your thoughts?
0: Mm, I'm in a similar position where I, yeah, I'm conceptually just like if you say European Super League, I'm just like no because I. I too I agree that like ha- there's some why I don't know the things I love about football is indeed the slaying of the Giants and like of, when you have a European Super League, you know, you won't have like a minnow beat a big team on their day. You get yeah. that. But then there's also the point that for all intents and purposes, um, I mean the European Cup or the Champions League was a product of like the big league the big teams threatening to go on and form their own super league so for all intents and purposes we are seeing the makings of a european super league and when you look at generally the latter group stages of uh the champions league it's pretty much like consistently the same kind of teams yeah i don't think i think everyone thinks this will be like greatly exciting because all these teams definitely have like the best talent they have the best players But I do like the, I don't know, like, it's kind of like the Super League is sort of like Marvel movies, like big blockbusters. And then like, as a lot of like the other parts of the League are like indie art movies. And I like both of those. So I'm not sure if I would want to like just watch the Super League, even though like all the talent, all the big talent would be there so that's all to say i have no good answer but instinctively i think no but in order for that to be like a no that also benefits the game we need to like think of a way to help sustain like the smaller clubs and actually have them be viable and competitive so that we just don't have a super league in everything but name
1: yeah no i agree with that and especially like coming out of covid i'm sure a lot of clubs finances have been hit especially in the lower tier in lower tiered leagues. so it's definitely going to be something like the various leagues will have to think through how to make them how to make the leagues more competitive going forward
0: yeah well with with that um i want to thank you so much for joining me today on the pod I was greatly enjoyed your company. I know a lot more about relegation than I did before, so and I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed uh, this like fan storytelling venture that we went on. Thank you so much for your time, OG.:
1: Thank you for having me glow. It's been awesome. like